right, you may be seated. Isn't it good to be saved? I said, isn't it good to be saved? Yep. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles just for a second. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter number 16. Uh, this is going to be a little different Sunday. Uh, this is going to be missions update Sunday, if you will. We give our, our church members, uh, we give in two ways around here. We give our tithes, which is 10% of our income. We give it to the Lord uh, to, to make sure the building is taken care of, to make sure the lights are on, to make sure there's heat and there's air conditioning. How many of y'all appreciate the heat and the air conditioning? Say amen. Amen. All the ministries that go on in this building and in this property and in this city, our tithes take care of that. The giving that we give from our tithes takes care of that. But then we give also, our membership gives also above our tithes, which is called an offering. An offering. You say, what's the difference between a tithe and an offering? A tithe doesn't belong to me. A tithe belongs to God. God actually, to be honest, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God, but God requires us to give a tenth back to Him to show our appreciation and adoration to Him. So a tenth belongs to Him. I'm not giving a tenth because it already belongs to Him. I can't give something that don't belong to me. Amen? So that is a, that is, that the tithe belongs to God. But then, over and above that, I'm giving. I'm giving from my heart. We give extra to missions. We give our love offering, our missions offering. And, and many of you do that, and I would encourage many more to help us with that, to do that. And this is what we're going to talk about today, is where that goes. Where does our missions money, where does our the missions offering, where is that going, and what we are doing with that. So if you are in Mark chapter number 16, uh, we're going to read just a couple verses. If you'll put that on the board here, if you don't mind, for those who uh, uh, don't have their Bible with them today. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Very important verse. I'm going to preach about this. In just a moment, and I want you to keep this and burn this into your heart. How many of y'all in this building today, you're saved and you know it? All right. Now, how many of y'all believe that this is the operations manual for every Christian? All right. Uh, how many of y'all believe that there is a mandate, a job for the church to do? Would you say amen right there? Now, many people, many people have grown up in uh, different types of churches. There's really two types of churches. There are maintenance churches and there are mission churches. There are churches who feel the people in it feel that the church is here to meet their needs. And it's to take care of them. It's to bury our dead, marry our young, uh, 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 give baby showers and, and wedding showers and take care of us. It's all about them. Well, that is not biblical, say amen. That is not a New Testament church. A New Testament church has a mission. They are on mission. It is the same mission that Jesus Christ had while he was on this earth. Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered to, but I came to minister. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is our mandate. Watch what the Bible says. If you will look in your Bible, you'll find out there's a color of this writing. What is the color of the reading of your writing? What's that mean? Jesus is speaking, all right? How many of y'all believe that when Jesus speaks, it's important? Before he goes to heaven, this is what he says. And he says unto them, which is the disciples, or you could say the beginning of the early church there, which he is speaking to us in this statement. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be what? Damn. Go back to verse 15. Let's all read it in concert. Help me read it. If you can't see it, if it's too dark out there, read it up here on the screen. Read it with me. 
And he said unto them, come on, I need everybody to help me, read real loud. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now I want to I wanna talk about today, I want to talk about today, if you'll go back to the mat now, uh, they have given me this wonderful toy. Isn't this great? Check this out. Amen. I'll point it at All right, here we go. Now, this is the Matili region. This is an area of the world. As you see, there's India and, and Myanmar. Uh, Nepal is in this area right here. This circle represents the Matili people. It is a group of people who have never heard the gospel. There is no gospel witness whatsoever. They, they have never heard about Jesus Christ. They've never heard about the Sermon on the Mount. They have never heard about Jonah in the whale. They have never heard that Jesus walked on water. They've never heard that Jesus turned water into wine. They've never heard that Jesus called Lazarus' name and called him forth and the dead come to life. Somebody say amen. They've never heard any of that. They've never heard, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They've never heard that God is a forgiving God. They've never heard. Now that is amazing to us, and that is hard to comprehend because here in America, you can turn on the TV in here. You can turn on the radio in here. Uh, you, there's a church on every corner. If you don't like this church, there's 52,000 others you can go to in the cities. Amen. It's not that way there. They don't have that privilege. They don't have that opportunity. And we are taking steps from Temple Baptist Church. Your missions giving is making it possible so these people can hear the gospel. Let's give God praise and glory right there. Amen. Come on, give him praise and glory. I want to give you, I want to give you uh, a couple updates of, of what we have been able to accomplish here this year with our missions giving. Now, when I say missions giving, this is not our tithe. This, does not, uh, it, this is not what we give as our 10%. Uh, to the local ministry to keep it operating. This is what people have given above and beyond uh, their tithe to accomplish. Uh, we've been able to give this year $26,589 to missions through your generous giving. We have been able to support 17 different church missionaries uh, in such a way to help them and meet their needs. Uh, this year we were able to give 3,500 pounds of food to Coleman Caring for Kids right here in our city. Let's give God praise right there. We've been able to support. We've been able to support uh, a ministry. Uh, uh, UI has been doing incredible things. Uh, matter of fact, there is a team right now uh, that's heading to. Are, uh, they going to New Jersey or New York? They're going Staten Island, New York. Uh, we've got a team of people from our church, with led by Brother Travis Sharp. Most of y'all know him. Uh, he called me last night. He's all excited. And matter of fact, matter of fact, he's still he's a little nervous too. And uh, he wanted me to convey that to you so you could be praying for them because the church that they're going to, to base their, the camp out of uh, to feed and, and supply and help the people there, uh, they've already found four bodies in fields around them because the flooding is receding now and people that were missing before, they're finding their body. And it's just a very devastating. How many of y'all remember what it was like right here in Coleman right after the tornado? Remember how scary that felt? And how, how it was just a, a frightening feeling. 
Well, this is going to be way worse where he's going. And he has asked for our prayers. Uh, we were able to send uh, support and money with him to, to go do what he is doing. And matter of fact, I told him this. I said, when you run out or you, you have need, uh, please let us know. And then we're going to help you again uh, to do what you need to do. Because they're going to need somebody that trusts in Christ where they're going. Are you all with me? So we've got a team going there. We were also uh, uh, able to send 5,000. Uh, these, these right here are proclaimers. Many of, you, many of you have never seen one of these, but last year we raised money uh, to, to buy these proclaimers. This is not a radio. This is called a proclaimer. Say it with me. It is a... Say it again. It is a... Uh, the Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And the word preacher there in Romans chapter number 10 is the word proclaimer. How can they hear the gospel without a proclaimer? This is a little machine with a solar panel on it. It's got a solar panel. It's got a wind-up to, to, for electricity. It's also got a battery-powered unit. But these missionaries that we are training and we are sending are going into places, villages in the wilderness where there's no electricity, there's no generators, there's nothing. And this is a, a little machine that's got the gospel the Bible in their native tongue, their native language, so they can hear the gospel for the very first time. Is that exciting or is that exciting? Amen? Now, go ahead. Give him praise right there. Come on. Give him praise. We were, we were able to distribute 5,913. I'm going to just evangelistically, baptistical speaking, we sent 6,000. Say amen. Uh, five. 5,913 of them have been sent out to 113 countries. Through your missions giving, through your missions giving, we were able to send these proclaimers to India, Nepal, Pakistan, China, Egypt, Syria, where they're in a civil war right now, Syria and Malaysia. We were able to give the gospel to those who've never heard. Let's praise the Lord for that right there. Amen. Amen. Now, let's get to what I am really, really, really excited about uh, this morning. Uh, we have a, a, a brand new, if you will, missions team. We have an outreach in missions. We have, if you'll look on that back back there, my little toy. This is great. I love this baby. So everybody turn around and look at the back. Everybody turn around and look at the back. You'll see seven different posters back there. Seven different posters. Our church is ran by seven different volunteer teams, all right? Each one of those different posters represents a different... How many of y'all, just out of curiosity, how many of y'all have never known or never seen that them posters was back there? Raise your hand. If, can I see them? Wow. We got to put blinking lights back there, man. We're going to put lights flashing, you know. Those teams represent our church. In other words, the first team there was the outreach and missions team. Then you have the first impressions team, which include our, our parking lot men, uh, 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 those the greeters at the door, ushers and security and all that. And then you have the worship team, which is everybody up on the platform, the singers and, and, and those that make worship happen. So we have these seven different teams. And the very first team is outreach and missions. Say those two words with me. Outreach and missions are on the same team, but they are different. They are different. Outreach is bringing people to the gospel. Missions is taking the gospel to the people. Do you understand what I mean by that? Outreach is what we do here with our big events to go into our community and bring them into our church building so that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ and trust Christ as their Savior. That is outreach. 
missions is where we take the gospel, these proclaimers, we take the, the, the support and the help we can get here, and we go to Germany, we go to India, uh, we go to China, we go to Yugoslavia, we've got a missionary in Romania, we've got missionaries in Mexico. Uh, uh, listen, it is taking the gospel where they have none. So if that makes sense, say amen. Well, in the division of that particular team, we have, we have started a missions team that's going to help us getting the gospel to the people. Now, this is very new. We are just now putting this together, and we, what we hope it grows and explodes and just does a great thing. But I want to call, call up our team. I want to call up our team, if you will. If you'll come up real quickly, and I'll introduce them to you. This is the beginning of the team. And listen, if you would like to be on the team, we would love for you to be on the team. Amen? We have, we have Brother Chris O'Neill. He is, our, he is our, our, our main leader, the head honcho. I think he's around now. I don't see. There he goes. Raise your hand. When I call your name, raise your hand so everybody will know who you are, okay? Brother Chris O'Neill, Miss Sabrina Drummond, uh, Brett Jones and Christy Jones, uh, uh, Heath and Amanda Yearwood, and uh, we have also have Steve Miller who helps us out. He's not with us today. Uh, but they have volunteered. We have already had several meetings to, uh, to get this thing organized and going. And I am so excited for them. We're excited about what God is doing with us. Miss Sabrina, if you'll step out there. Uh, Miss Sabrina is our head. Going out there. Going out there. They ain't going to bite you. Amen. All right. Uh, she is our head recruiter. And if you would like to be a part of this team, and I want you to be, please help us with this. Uh, we're going to be uh, sending out letters. We're going to be receiving letters. Uh, we're going to do everything to build our missions program and do everything we can to get the gospel to people. So she would be the one that you would check with, talk with her. They're going to be at the table in the foyer because I'm going to give you some things that you can do to help out with missions in this service. Uh, so I want you all to give them a hand and thank them for the volunteer work that they do. Amen. And Heath, you just stay here. Y'all can be seated. Heath, you stay here. Uh, here is some new things. Here's some new uh, programs that we have partnered up with. Uh, let's, put the, let's put the picture up here. Uh, the Matili people, the Matili people in uh, uh, the, the northern part of India there. You remember what I said? This is a group of millions and millions of people who have never heard the gospel, an unreached people group, okay? Uh, we have partnered together with uh, uh, the Timothy Initiative and the Matili Alliance, a partnership of churches, and we have taken on a training center. Matter of fact, two training centers that Temple Baptist Church primarily is responsible for, for financing and helping training uh, these church planners that are going to go out with the gospel. Say amen right there. This is, this, <laughs> I, I, I tried to uh, say his name. Uh, uh, his, his name is, is Shiv Narayan Chadhari. Uh, we're going to call him Shiv for short. Say amen. Uh, he is the trainer. He is the, the main leader of the, 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 the church planning school in Septari, Nepal. Septari, Nepal. He has under him, he has 10 different church planners under him. Uh, we, have, we have a picture of their church planners. Isn't that great? These are people that have been saved, that he has led to Christ, that he's training now to go out into their, their villages, to go out in their districts and plant churches. They're going out to plant churches, all right? So we are supporting him and taking care of that. Then also, we have two different ones, one in Septari and then one in Sunsari, Nepal. We have 15 different church planters right now being trained in Sunsari. Arjun Lakra. Our John, and, and y'all know that that's not what that name really sounds like, all right? But we're just going to take that until they can tell us what it sounds like. Amen. Uh, our John is here. He is the main trainer 
He is the main uh, teacher there at the, uh, the, the church planning school in Sansari. And this is his group. This is his group. They, are, they have just started. Now, here's the deal. Temple Baptist Church is personally responsible through your missions giving. We are training each one of those church planners to get the gospel. How about this little guy right here? That dude tickles me to death. Amen? One day, we're going to be able to take a missions team from our church to India, and we may meet these guys in person. And I want to meet this little dude right there. Amen? Now, look. These people are taking the gospel to people who've never heard. Now, that's hard for me to fathom. How about you? Never heard the gospel. And they're doing it because God has called them. Now, here's the thing. They cannot do that without our support. Your dollars, your giving, your support, your generosity is making it possible for all of these guys to be trained, to be developed, and sent out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nobody in both of these teams, nobody can graduate the course till they plant a church. They have to plant a church. And I have been told that many of these guys will go plant multiple churches during their time of training because they have a fire of God in them. They are like modern-day Apostle Pauls trying to get the gospel to their people before it's too late. So let's give God praise and glory for our, our training center. All right, now we also, most of y'all remember Brother Ben Bounds. Brother Ben Bounds was with us just a few months ago, and uh, him and one of the, one of the training, uh, training leaders of plant, uh, church planters, Philip, they were both with us just a few months ago. Well, we have, we have partnered together. Now, this man right here is named John Bain B. John Bain B. He is one of the trainers and church planters. He has in his household, he has in his household 11 orphans. Eleven. How many? Eleven orphans. There is civil unrest in Miramar, where they are, which is the former Burma, uh, and in the particular area where he was, it broke out, and he had to flee. He had to flee his home. He had to flee where he was, and he didn't have any place for these eleven orphans, and the money that you see they're holding is money that you have sent uh, through our missions giving that we have sent, and we've been able to build them a home with that money for those 11 orphans. So let's give God praise and glory right there. <clears throat> uh, the Yangon Grace Bible School was established in June 2008. Uh, it is in the former Burma, which is Myanmar. It's a springboard. They're, gonna be, they're reaching China, India, Thailand, and Laos. Uh, there are 60 million people living in this area. And we, are, we have partnered with this Grace Bible School to support them. This is the Bible school. We are helping support them and training them and developing them to go out and reach all of these communist countries uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you go to the next picture, this is Brother Philip. If you all remember him, he was the one that was with us at church. Uh, and then way in the back back there is Brother Ben Bounds. Uh, we are now supporting them and taking, taking them on as a personal, uh, uh, specific responsibility from Temple Baptist Church to help them train men with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, presently, presently we have a project uh, going on. We have a project going on in Uganda uh, that I would like to to speak to you about in just a second. But Brother Heath Yearwood, it's not been just a little while. They just got back from Uganda, and I want him to just share a word about his trip to Uganda. Give Brother Heath a hand this morning. Thank you, preacher. I thought it was just wanting me up here to speak on that, but then after a way he liked that little guy on that, I think he and I looked up here and Jalen's there. I think we're the only two that would have fit in the hut. So that's the reason he's got us up here. 
But uh, no, I do appreciate the opportunity to speak a little bit. We went to uh, Uganda this past year, and it was a truly a blessing. Like many of you out here, it was never something that I'd ever intended on going on a mission trip. I remember being at churches before and hearing people speak and say something about it, but it was, I always thought that was someone else that was going to do that instead of myself. But the Lord saw differently. Someone came to a church. All of a sudden, once we heard what they were talking about, we felt led. And then from that point on, the funding and everything started to fall into place, and God really just saw fit that uh, it was in His uh wheel for it to happen and it did take place and we went to uh, Uganda I didn't know what to expect it was all new uh, once we went there the, I was in shock right when I went into the airport for the first time with the machine guns and things you were seeing as you go into a place then where we were staying in places that we went and what the poverty that I saw around everywhere and then I we were there to work with the orphans, to work with the widows, and we went out and shared the gospel all while we were there. We did Bible schools and everything. And those of you who know that how I can talk, I could tell you forever about that. But as we went there, I realized that I was just a small piece in a giant world. And I realized how uh, inadequate I was to be there. I felt unworthy to be doing something for the Lord, but I also felt so privileged to be able to be a part of it. And when you started realizing that he's not the God of uh, Coleman, Alabama, he's the God of the world. And he's not the God of, of, you know, the people here in this place today. He's the God of the world. And he proclaims us to be able to go out and do that. And we worked with people and we went door to door. And there's a couple of things that stick in my mind about it. I, I remember having that that satisfaction of going door to door there but when I came back here one day I was thinking well we don't do this when I saw an apartment building and I thought we have that opportunity I don't know why we're here today talking about missions it could be so you go abroad and you share the gospel abroad but it may be something that I'm telling you that would make you share it here God will call you for the mission area that you should be in but what stands out there when we went the pastor there told me something that really just stood in my mind and we would do devotions every day. And when we would do our devotions, it was amazing how that day everything took place like God had led. We, you know, we didn't understand why he was going over devotion about something that morning, but we did when the day was over because it was God's will. I think one thing that I was a better person when I was there because I took myself out of it because I, I didn't have anything. I didn't know what meal they were going to serve me that day. I didn't know where in the world they were going to take me. And I, I had to rely on God for everything. That's what he told me, the pastor, that I would take out of the trip that I would say. He said, Heath, I don't mean this disrespectful. This is Pastor Ivan that was over there. He said, but in your country, you go to God last. We try to solve all the problems ourselves, and then we go to them. But he said, in our country, we go to God first because we have nowhere else we can go. And one example of that, we go to the grocery store weekly. We'll get a food to prepare for the week. They go daily because they don't know if they have money to buy the food tomorrow. So, you know, that was amazing to look at. And one thing when we did our Bible schools and I would look out there at them, I can still see the thousands of kids coming from over the hills and coming everywhere in the world. And one thing that this kind of shows you how God really showed out while we were there. I felt like when Jesus fed the multitudes with fish, you know, and he had the loaves of bread, that one day we had these bags that we were passing out food in lines and these kids were fighting almost and we were holding arms having to hold them back to trying to break in my first instinct was to be aggravated because here we're trying to do something nice but the next thing I thought you know what if I'm a parent my kid hadn't ate in a while I'm probably gonna try to break them in line too and I realized it from the, the eyes 
of, of God looking at these kids in this line. And you're going to see some pictures and things in a little bit. And when you see those pictures, I want you to look at the eyes of the children, no matter what part of the world. Look at them through Christ's eyes. Because if you pray about it and you look at it, then I don't think that you can sit here without being involved in some way or another. But uh, I do appreciate it, and thank you. Lord. Amen. Amen. If, if you were here for the very first time, I want to I uh, take up the, the prayer card. If you, if you filled out one of those prayer cards, I want to take that up. But we're going to, in just a moment, we're going to watch a video. We're going to watch a video. But before we do, do we have any first-timers this morning? We have one. If you filled out that prayer card, if you filled out that first-time attendant card, can you hold it up real high? And we'll, go, we'll pick them up right here in the middle. Uh, we'll take them up. Church, let's give God praise for our first-timers here today. Amen. Isn't that great? Amen. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. I grew up in a, in a church my whole life. My dad was a pastor. And uh, one of the thrills of my life as a little kid was when a missionary would come. Because the missionary would always bring pictures. The missionary would always bring, uh, uh, and before, it was slides. Do y'all remember the little circle thing with the slides in it? And it would click on, click on, click on. You know, uh, that was, I mean, I go back that far, and it was, it was you know, that was unbelievable because they'd talk about eating roaches and wrestling snakes and stuff. I mean, it was great. For a little kid, that was unbelievable. But one of the things that really intrigued me all the time was to see the faces of the people. People that had never heard the gospel, people who who does, doesn't have the privilege in the in the in really what we have today, it, it just blew my mind. Would break my heart. And 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 why we're doing this, and, and as these pictures are being shown, I want you to think about this. Every face represents a soul. Every face represents a soul that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. How many of y'all remember the song as you were growing up uh, uh, about red and yellow, black and white? They are. Why? Jesus loves the little children of the world. Some of us have the mistaken thought that Jesus is an American Jesus. He's, he's, he's the, the, the uh, uh, you know, he's the God of the world. Every creature, the Bible says. Go tell every creature. Why? Every face represents a soul that Jesus died for. I dream stood before God's Son It was time to see what my reward would be With love He reviewed my life To count what was done for Christ That was what would last eternally. See, I'd done my best to share 
I want to share with you just, just a thought, because we don't have much time, but I want to I share with you just a thought from these verses. Mark chapter number 16 is the mandate for the New Testament church. I was told in Bible college, always remember to keep the main thing the main thing. In other words, don't get so spread out. Don't get so uh, involved in things. How many of y'all know that everybody's got their idea of what they think the church is supposed to do? Everybody's got opinions and everybody's got ideas and everybody's got, you know, but here's the way we do it. We focus on what the scripture says. There are many things we th that we can do and minister in certain different ways as a church, but we can never fail to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, what is the main thing? It says it here in Mark chapter number 16 he's, that Jesus is speaking, if, if, if you will. He says, and he said unto them, now, here's, here's what I want you to get. Go ye into all the world. That is the where. Say it with me. That is the, the where. Most of us have this idea that the church is supposed to take care of right here. But the where in Jesus' mind, the where in Jesus' opinion, the where in Jesus' command, the, the, the church should affect the whole world. We're not just supposed to reach Coleman. We're not just supposed to reach Alabama. We're not just supposed to reach America. We're supposed to reach out to the whole, that's the where. He says, go into all the world, that's the where, and preach the gospel. That is the what. What are we supposed to do when we go to all the world? Tell them the good news. Tell them that Jesus Christ died on a cross rose again the third day and is sitting on the throne in glory and will save whosoever will call upon his name. Somebody say amen. That is the what? That is what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, there are all kind of, uh, there are all kind of causes to get involved in. There's all kind of good deeds to get involved in. But everything the church does, no matter what it is, it needs to be connected to getting the gospel to lost people. That's the what? Then it says this, preach the gospel to who? Every creature. That is the who. That is the who. So, so far, we have the where, go ye into all the world. We have the what, preach the gospel. And we have the who, to every creature. Now, to many of you in here, that means nothing. And that doesn't motivate you. Because in your mind, you're saying why? Why should we go into all the world? Why should we preach the gospel? Why should we reach every creature? Well, see, Jesus knows how we think, so he gave us the why. Read it with me, everyone. He that believeth, now there's a lot more people in here. Help me, help me. We'll, we'll keep you here to 2 o'clock. Amen. You can't leave till I dismiss. Amen. Come on. Get with me. Get loud. Here we go. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be That's the why. Why do we give money? Why do we sacrifice? And when I say that word sacrifice, that's such a sorry way to put it because many of us don't. We don't, we don't understand the word sacrifice in America. In America, we're spoiled rotten. But why do we give? 
Why do we give so these proclaimers can get to people who cannot even read? And even if they could read, they didn't have a Bible in their language to be able to read it. So why do we give this and why do we send out? Why do we go? Three reasons. Three reasons. Number one, because there is a real hell. There is a real hell. I know that is a politically incorrect term to use in the house of God. I know that makes us all uncomfortable to talk about hell. I know there are many arguments today that, you know, uh, some people say, well, Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. And then some people say, no, he didn't. He talked more about heaven than he did about hell. Listen, that's all irrelevant. If Jesus spoke one time about hell, that's enough. Jesus said there is a place where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. This place is described as utter darkness. This place is a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Jesus spoke about it and said the rich man in hell, he lit up his eyes being in torment. And he said, would you please send uh, Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger and cool my parching tongue. That I'm, listen, I am tormented in this fame. Please let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my parching tongue. I am tormented in this flame. There are people and there are religions that are trying to say that hell is the figment of somebody's imagination. That hell and heaven is right here on this earth. But Jesus believes it's a real place with real fire and real suffering. Hell is real. Hell is a temporary holding place. Hades, if you want to use the word Hades. It's a temporary holding place for those who have died without Christ. Those who have died unbelievers. Those who have died without faith in God. They are in hell today as we are speaking. They are in suffering today, in agony today as I am speaking. And one day at the end of the age when the judgment seat of Christ shall come and the great white throne judgment shall come, there are two judgments. One judgment for the saved and one judgment for the lost. The judgment for the saved is the judgment seat of Christ. And at that judgment, all of your deeds, all of your works, everything that you've done on this earth that for God will be judged. And it will go through the fire and you will be rewarded accordingly. But at the great white throne judgment, the Bible says that dead without Christ will be brought to that and be judged for their sins because they did not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and they will be cast into the lake of fire forever. That's why. He that believeth not shall be damned. Jesus didn't come to condemn anybody. In John 3, 16... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, I did not come to condemn the world. I did not come to condemn the world. Ye that believe are not condemned, that ye that believe not are condemned already. I came that you might have life. I came to save you. You were already condemned. I came so you could be delivered. Say, so preacher, I don't, I don't believe in that. If there, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? A loving God never sent one person to hell. The Bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels. And if you die without Christ, that will be your eternal home. Well, why would God 
send anybody. Let me say again, he never sent one person. He took every step and measure so you didn't have to go. Even though we deserve it, we can miss it because of what Jesus did on the cross. Why are we doing this? Why are we giving money? Why are we flying to other countries? Why are we sending teams? Why are we sacrificing? Number one, there's a real hell. Number two, there's a real heaven. Just as bad as hell is, heaven's that good. The Bible says in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. How many of y'all are glad that there is a real heaven? The Bible says that that heaven is a street of gold. It has walls of jasper. It has gates of solid pearl. There are 12 foundations. There are 12 gates to that city. Jesus is preparing my home. Jesus is preparing your home. Heaven is real. Say, preacher, somebody wrote a book that heaven's real. I didn't have to read that book to know heaven's real. There's already been a book to tell me heaven is real. Listen, the Bible is described, and it describes heaven in that Revelation 21. And by the way, by the way, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not against anything. So don't get mad. I'm not, I'm not against that book. I'm just trying to say you didn't have to read that book to know heaven's real. You just had to read the book. Say amen. Okay? So don't get, don't get upset. Don't get upset because I, I like it. I like it. All right. Revelation 21, verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now watch what it says. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, nor neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. What's that mean? It means this. There's a real hell, but there's a real heaven. And in that real heaven, God's going to take it all away. I stood in front of a casket this week of a very, very, very young mother who had three young daughters grieving in front of that casket. Let me tell you something. We're going to a place where there won't be any funeral homes. There won't be any hospitals. There won't be any cancer. There won't be any suffering. There won't be any pain. For God shall wipe away every tear from every eye. Are you glad of that? Say amen. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Because there's a real hell. But there's a real heaven. And lastly, there is a real hope. Say that word with me. There is a real hope. What do you mean? The Bible says in... In Hebrews chapter number 6, verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation or encouragement, if you will, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. 
both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, I, I grew up a pastor's kid, and I had to go to the funeral home with my dad. And I got to be honest with you, they creeped me out. And I didn't like them. I don't like nothing about them. I still don't like them. No offense if you work in that department. But I, I just don't like it. It just seemed so final to me. I was afraid of it. And, 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 and I, I even, I even kind of developed, I don't want to say a phobia, but maybe a habit. That, that, that when I would see people and leave, you know, most of the time when somebody leaves, you say, say it, goodbye. I never will. If you've ever talked to me on the phone, you know I'm telling the truth. I always, I just, I got into the habit to say, I'll see you later. I won't ever say goodbye. I don't like that. It just seems so final. My dad, I, I was in Bible college, and, and he was 500, 600 miles away from me, and we'd talk on the phone, and he'd say, all right, goodbye. I said, I'll see you in a little bit. He said, no, you won't. It'd make him so mad it irritated him. But I, it just seemed so final. But I come to realize that if I have to go by way of the grave, and if Jesus tarries his coming, we will all face that day. We all will. The only way to get out of this thing is to die. Y'all with me? But if I have to go that way, there has somebody that's been there, done that, and came back. His name is Jesus Christ, and he said in Revelation 1, I am he that liveth and was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And I have a hope that this is not final. This coffin is not final. This place, this sorrow, this is not final. Death is just a doorway to a better home that's my hope and I'm going to keep preaching it I'm going to keep teaching it I'm going to keep, keep giving to the best of my ability so that every creature on this planet can know that there is a hope that you don't have to fear the grave you don't have to fear a coffin you don't have to fear a funeral home if you know Jesus Christ as your savior to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and I'm going to do it till the day I die and I hope to God that you'll help me do it. I hope we will band together as a church and understand that we need to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is to preach the gospel to every creature, to every single human being on this planet knows that there's a God in heaven who loves every fiber of their being and sent his only begotten son to die on an old rugged cross so we could escape an awful place called hell. That's why we're doing it. And I hope you'll partner with us. I hope you'll partner with us. Say, so what can I do, preacher? Well, to begin with, if you're not tithing and you're a church member, if you're a guest, you're not obligated to this, but if you're a church member, you are. Not because of a rule that Temple has, it's because it's a command of God. We take our, listen, care of the needs of this place and this community through our tithe, the 10% of our income. But then several, several, many of us, and I hope more to come, we give above and beyond to missions so that we can get this accomplished. 
Everything that goes overseas is from extra giving, our love offerings, if you will, to that. And I want you to begin and help us with that. We have two opportunities right now. This coming, this coming uh, Friday night at, at, at the 6 o'clock at the Festal Hall, uh, Brother Travis and uh, uh, Unsheltered International is going to be sponsoring a catfish fry that's baptistical. Say amen right there. To support Unsheltered International and, and, and the relief efforts there uh, with Hurricane Sandy. And then also we have a team that's going to be leaving and going to Uganda uh, with a Ugandan mission project. Uh, and we are going to be selling a barbecue potato dinner on the 18th, Sunday the 18th, after every service. So you could come to the service and go back and get a barbecue potato and go home. You don't even have to go to Cracker Barrel. Say amen. So I don't even like barbecue potato, all right? Don't worry about a barbecue potato, but just give to the project so we can reach those little faces and those souls that need to hear that Jesus loves them and Jesus cares about them. And if Jesus loves and cares about them, we need to too. Our team is going to be out there in the foyer at the table. Our team is going to be out there at the foyer at the table and they're going to have tickets for that for the barbecue potato. You can get a ticket now, or you can buy it at the door, whichever. Or you can just say, Preacher, I don't even like potatoes. I'm carb-free, and I, I just want to give. I just want to give to this project. They'll be able to help you with that also. But I want you to pray and ask God what he wants you to do. This is not a one-time deal, guys. We give every week to missions. Every week we sacrifice so we can see this happening. Because I've learned something in my life. I'm not going to be able to take my house with me. I'm not going to be able to take my car with me. I'm not going to be able to take my coon dog with me to heaven. The only thing that I'll be able to take to heaven with me is somebody else. And if we spend our whole life trying to buy things and possess things, say, oh, he who dies with the most wins. No, he who dies with the most dies. And one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with everything I gave you? And I don't want to be ashamed. I want him to be proud of me when we get there. And I want to challenge you. You say, preacher, I don't have no money whatsoever. Can you help us on the team? Can you help us package a potato? Can you help us spread some cheese on it? Or whatever they're going to put on it? Can you put the boxes together? Can you stand and pass them out? You can be on the missions team. Can you send an email of encouragement to one of these church planters? Can you pray for one of the churches that are being planted? You can be on the team. Sign up today. Help us get the gospel to every creature. Because I promise you, one day, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Every head.